all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Ah, feel the woe with Listerine at BJ's. You can save $2.50 now on Listerine products like Total Care Anti-Cavity Fluoride Fresh Mint Mouthwash or Cool Mint Pocket Packs Fresh Breath Strips at your nearest BJ's location. Experience the feeling of a million germs zapped in seconds with Listerine. Discount available through December 24th. Save now only at BJ's. Confession of faith together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. My mind is renewed and my spirit is prepared to receive the word which produces faith. And faith pleases God. I'm not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word has given me life. Y'all shout it. I am. Hallelujah. Remain standing if you would. Good morning, 9 a.m. Good morning, 9 a.m. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 21. We welcome those watching on all of our campuses today. 2 Samuel chapter 21. There's a word in the house with your name on it today. I said there's a word in the house with your name on it today. 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse number 15. It says this. Uh, Well, matter of fact, let me give you a little time. Y'all there? You still flipping? If you're still flipping, say, hold on, Bishop. All right, I'll wait on you. Five, four, three, two. Verse 15. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel. Somebody say again. Uh, You think that they had gotten sick and tired of fighting with the Philistines, but here they are in war with them again. David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines, and David grew faint, or David got tired. You ever been in a situation where you just get tired of fighting? You ever felt like Tina Turner where you just say, I don't really want to fight no more? He says, verse 16, then Ishbi Banab, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels. That's about eight pounds. So his spear was eight pounds by itself, who was bearing a new sword. Somebody say new sword. Look at this. He thought he could kill David. So look at verse 17. But Abishai. You know what I love about the Bible is that there's always normally a but just when you think the story is getting ready to go down the tubes. Touch your neighbor and say, there's always a but when God's involved. There's always a but when God gets involved and gets working on the situation because it looked here, David was not only tired, but this giant said, I'm getting ready to kill you. I got an eight-pound spear, and I got a brand-new sword. In essence, he was saying, David, you're getting ready to go down. There was one problem, though. There was a but, verse 17, but Abishai, the son of Zeriah, came to his aid, his there meaning David, and he struck the Philistine and he killed him. Now, now notice, now notice, David was tired, that David was wore out, 
But Abishai swoops in and saves the day, and he kills this giant that David's facing. But now look at this last verse. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. In essence, they were saying, Listen, you just helped us and saved the day, but please don't do that no more. In other words, they started fighting their help. I'm going to help somebody today. Father, I ask that you'd speak in this place. We commit this atmosphere into your hands. Do only what you can do, which is take human words and make them have supernatural divine meaning. I pray that people's lives are going to be impacted and changed today, that you're going to speak something into their lives, into their spirits, into their minds today. Father, that's going to revolutionize how they live and revolutionize how they walk. I declare that by the time this word is over today, we will never, ever, never, ever be the same I just wish I had a little faith in here. Just a little faith. If you believe that, say, I agree with that. I agree with that. In Jesus' name, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Encourage somebody as you take your seats. Tell them Abishai is on the way. Tell them Abishai is on the way. Abishai is on the way. I, I want to approach today's teaching uh, like a physician with a scalpel to carefully dissect the story and deliver a message from God directly to you. Uh, Abishai is on the way. It's going to make a little bit more sense to you in just a moment. But when we look at this, this verse, we're literally going to go verse by verse so that we can build line upon line, precept upon precept, or concept upon concept. In verse 15, it says, when the Philistines were at war again with Israel. Now, Goliath is the giant that we're most familiar with that David had to fight. But Goliath was not the only David, uh, the only giant that David had to fight. Uh, please understand, you know that story that Goliath comes down for 40 days and 40 nights. And he's taunting the children of Israel, the children, the people of God. And he's taunting them for 40 days saying, you're not going to do this. You're not going to be anything. You're not going anywhere. I'm going to consume you. I'm going to destroy you. Anybody ever been taunted by one of your enemies that sometimes it's not even verbally taunting you. Sometimes it's presence is taunting you. Sometimes just looking at maybe it's a bill or maybe it's a doctor's report or maybe it's a family situation that every time you look at it, it taunts you and it messes with you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? So for 40 days and for 40 nights, Goliath stands there taunting the children of Israel. And as he's taunting the children of Israel, what ends up taking place is that David comes out. Now, here David is. He, he, he's never been in a battle like this before. But David says, I've never fought a giant before, but I have fought a lion and I have fought a, and I have fought a bear. And the same way I took out that lion and the same way I took out that bear, this giant is not going to be that much more difficult. See, you may not have experience dealing with what you're dealing with, but you do have preparation. See, if you've got experience in everything, that means you've already been where you're going. But preparation means I may not have dealt with this specific problem before, but baby, I've dealt with problems before. And if I handle those problems before, this that's in front of me is not going to be that bad. David stands up and he looks at Goliath and he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that dare defy the armies of the living God? He looks at Goliath and he says, Goliath, you don't have a covenant with God. That's why I called him uncircumcised because evidence of circumcision was evidence that they had a covenant or an agreement with God. See, it's one thing for, for you to have an agreement with a person. It is an entirely different experience for you to have a covenant or an agreement with God. David looks at Goliath and he says, Goliath, you may be big, but you are no covenant having somebody. 
Let, let me say it to you another way. He said, Goliath, you may look daunting, and you may look like you're going to take me out, but the problem is, is you don't have the same agreement I have with God. See, the agreement I have with God says, if God be for me, who can be against me? See, the agreement I have with God says that I'm the head and not the tail. I may look like the tail right now, but baby, give me a little time, because... Just like that, God can take me to being the head. But now watch this. He stands in front of him. And as he stands in front of Goliath, he says, Goliath, this day I'm going to kill you. I love David because David says, I'm not even going to give you. You've had 40 days. I've had enough of you. See, there's stuff in your life that the reason it won't change is because you haven't had enough of it. Okay, y'all don't want to say nothing. That's fine. Preach, Bishop. There's stuff that continues to endure in your life because you haven't had enough of it. And I'm going to tell somebody, sometimes God will let you get sick and tired of yourself so that you get sick and tired of what you're doing. Because until you've had enough of it, you won't put an end to it. So sometimes God will make you not even like you for a little bit so that you can be compelled to change you. Anybody know what I'm Sometimes God will make it to where you look at yourself and say, man, what are you doing? Get your stuff together. Get in that church and get that word and start making something happen. You know the story with Goliath, but, but that wasn't the only giant that Goliath fought. This Ishbi Benab was another giant, and he was a Philistine giant. Now, the word Philistine means invader or divider. So here's what the spirit of the Philistine or the mindset of the Philistine does. It invades your life, then it desires to destroy your life by dividing you. I'm going to say that again. It invades your life, then it desires to destroy your life by dividing you. What, what, what do you mean dividing me? By turning you uh, against you. By turning you against God. See, wherever there is division, there cannot be multiplication. There cannot be increase in an environment that is only conducive for decrease. So what a Philistine does is say, I'm going to invade your life, but then I'm going to destroy your life. And the way I'm going to destroy your life is because I'm going to divide you. Everything that's in you, I'm going to cut it in half. And then once I cut that in half, I'm going to cut that in half. And then when I cut that in half, I'm going to cut that in half. See, there's some Philistines that are really people that show up in your life. That when they come up in your life, all they do is divide you. Every time you look, you say, what in the world is going on? And what in the world is happening? Philistine, it, it, it is an invader and a divider. But here, here, here we find that David has to face a giant again. And, and, and the most operative part of that first verse is the word again. Have you ever thought to yourself, again? I just finished dealing with that. I just finished conquering that. I just finished knocking that out, and now again? I, I wish I had somebody that's ever had it again moment. I, I just finished dealing with all of this foolishness, and now again, I got to deal with that. I, I thought I had conquered this problem, and the moment I conquered this one, something pops up over here. And once I conquer that, then something pops up over here. David says that he's in battle with the Philistines again. And now he's in, he's in this battle and he's thinking to himself, listen, 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 listen. How many of y'all is it? Here's what you need to know. There's not just one giant that you're going to face in life. One prepares you for another. Hear me and hear me well. When there's nothing left to conquer, there's no need to live. 
when there is nothing left to conquer, there's no need to live. See, too many Christians want lives to where they get to the point to where I don't have nothing else to do. I don't have nothing else to fight. I have nothing else to conquer. Well, then I need to make an announcement to you. There's no reason left to live. The reason you're still here is because there's things you've got to conquer. There's things you've got to overtake. There's things that were trying to overcome you that you've got to overcome. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Touch your neighbor and say, Abishai's on the way. Look at this, look at this, look at this. The, the next part says, David and his servants with him went down and fought against the invaders and the dividers. And David grew fainter. He got tired. David got tired. This is King David. This is, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This is, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, because thy rod and thy staff are with me, they comfort me. Surely, goodness and mercy have followed me all the days of my life. That same David, he's fighting a battle, but he's tired. What's interesting, though, is that he had his servants with him. Hear me. Even though he had people with him, he still got tired. Watch this. A crowd around you does not mean support for you. You can have a lot of people around you but still grow tired because they're a crowd. They're not support. Okay, I wish I had. I wish I had somebody. So you can have lots of people you call acquaintances and friends and yet still grow tired just as if their presence was never there. Because a crowd around you does not mean that those people are support for you. Which means when you discover that somebody's not support for you, I'm here to tell you that's God's way of telling you you need to just love them from a distance. Because watch this, by default, if you're not support for me, you are subtracting from me. Watch this. He, he, he grows tired, and sometimes we all get tired of fighting. But watch this. When you're a giant slayer, you've now set a precedence. You, you understand what a precedence is? When you set a precedence, what you have now done is, is set that there's a clear model that, that this is the standard in which it's going to be adhered to. Now, here's the problem. David got tired, but the problem was David had set a precedence that he's a giant slayer. I'm going to help your neighbor because you, you don't know who you sit next to. If you didn't want to face any more giants in life, you should have let the last one kill you. If you don't want to face any more giants in life, you should have let the last big problem take you out. But since you've set a precedence that that giant couldn't stop you and that sickness couldn't stop you and that depression couldn't stop you. See, you've set a precedence that come what may, for God I live and for God I die. You've set a precedence that you're like MC Hammer, baby. You're too legit to quit. You've set a precedence now. And because you've set a precedence, the giants know who you are. See, while you're worried about your problems, I need to let you in on a secret. Your problems are really worried about you because they've seen you take out a Goliath before. And now they're scared because they're saying, I'm not as big as Goliath. And now they're better and they're wiser and they're stronger. And I don't know how I'm going to take them. Touch your neighbor say, you've set a precedence. You've set a precedence. And now since that precedence is set, now please understand, giants look at you and say, well, I might as well give it a shot. I might as well try. You've set a precedence that you're a giant slayer. You've set a precedence that you're a curse breaker. You've set a precedence that you're a line crosser and a boundary breaker. You've set a precedence now that says you can't whimper down to this level anymore. You've set a precedence in your life that you're operating at a completely different level. 
The scripture teaches, Jesus teaches, that the accountability would be in learning. Watch this. He was saying that when a person learns, they're now held accountable for what they've learned. Watch this. He also says, scripture later on says, that even if you did not learn, you're still accountable for the principle. That's why it says study to show yourself approved. What's the point I'm trying to make? As you conquer things in life, you gain knowledge, wisdom, understanding. See, wisdom, wisdom is not just knowing something. Got it? Because you can be a smart idiot. You ever met a smart idiot? See, the word idiot means, the, word, the root of the word idiot means self-destructive. So you can know a lot, but still be your own worst enemy. See, some people don't need the devil. They got themselves. Some people, they don't need any satanic activity in their life because they're there. What's the point? What's the point? Every time you conquer something, you get knowledge, but you get wisdom. See, wisdom is knowing how to appropriately apply knowledge. Wisdom is a shortcut. See, knowledge is the what. But wisdom is why I need to know the what. See, it, 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 you, you may know something, but if you don't know why you need to know that, then, then you can operate with, with uh, uh, let me say this very delicately, you can operate uh, less than prudently. Did you find what I just said? Now, now, now touch your neighbor and say, you set a precedent. Now, now watch this. Verse 16 says, then Ishbi Banab, who was one of the sons of the giants. So now check this out. He's a descendant of another giant that David and the children of Israel have already dealt with. Which means that some problems that you deal with are going to be descendants and derivatives of issues that you thought you already conquered. See, see, God may test you to get rid of your selfishness by allowing you to get broke. But then you may hit another, oh, it got real quiet right there. See, some people think that, 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 that can I teach you something about God? God has a great way of breaking your pride. He allows you to lose everything. See, see, when you got a lot of money, see, I, I can see here that this is getting a little, little, little tense for somebody. So just touch your neighbor and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God has a way of making sure you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. And unfortunately for many people, it requires them to fall into a ditch. I'm getting ahead of myself, but the scripture says in Proverbs 16, 18, that it's pride that comes before a fall, which means every time you see a great fall, the root of it is pride. So whenever somebody says, I lost everything, pride took that from you. Okay, all right, let's come back to our regularly scheduled message. There are certain things. This was the son of the giant. He was the derivative from something they had dealt with before. So sometimes you can think you've conquered an issue, and then a couple of years later, God will throw a son of the giant in their life and say, I just wanted to see exactly how you were going to handle this. You ever thought to yourself, I fully conquered a issue. And you're like, I never have to deal with you again. But then another issue comes, and it's not quite the same, but it's similar. This was a son of one of the giants. And look here, the weight of his bronze spear was 300 shekels. I told you he had an eight-pound spear. And he was bearing a new sword, and he thought he could kill David. He said, Ishbibanab, this giant, he said he'd kill David when he saw David in a moment of weakness. That's when this Ishbibanab giant shows up in your life. When you're smack dab in the middle of a place called tired, wore out, spent, five miles to empty. When you're in that place in life, that's when this giant shows up and says, I got a new sword, and I got a big spear, and I think I can kill you now because you're weak. You got folk around you, but that's a crowd, not support. You look weak. 
And just like in any warfare, a, 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 a person that is skilled in warfare understands that one of the best times to capitalize on an enemy is one of two times. It's either, watch this, when they're at their weakest point, watch this, or they think they're at their strongest point. Because when you think you're at your strongest point, pride creeps back in. And all of a sudden now you're not looking out for stuff that you ought to be looking out for because you see yourself as better than that. So, so in warfare, the best time to, to conquer somebody, watch this, is right after a great battle or right in the middle of their worst moment. That's when Ishbi Banab shows up. Ishbi Banab says, uh, you're looking a little arrogant. I got you. Or you're looking a little weak. I got you. Now, Ishbi Banab, that word in Hebrew means it is a man with an announcement from a priestly city. That's what that whole, his whole name means. It means, see, the first part of that is Ish, which is Hebrew for man. It means he's a man with an announcement from a priestly city. Here's the announcement. You ready for the announcement? Another giant means I'm about to possess another promise. I'm going to say that again because your neighbor couldn't hear what I said. Another giant means I'm about to possess another promise. Let me say it to you like this. A problem always announces a promise. Which means if you keep running from your problems, no wonder you don't see any of God's promises manifesting in your life. Ooh, but baby, when you look at that giant and say, maybe I don't have five smooth stones like I did before, but I'm determined that you're coming down in my life. I'm here to tell you every problem that you face is a promise being announced. Ishbi Banab is a man with an announcement from a priestly city. Now, one of the functions of the priest was to go to God on behalf of the people, which means one of the functions of this giant, watch this, is this is a giant, watch this, that Satan doesn't necessarily send. This is a giant that is sent from a priestly place. This is a giant that's sent from God. Now, I know that can be befuddling to some because you've not been exposed to teaching that, that uh, like Isaiah 45, that teaches us that God controls both good and evil. There's nothing that happens that he hasn't consented, which means Satan can't just do what he wants to do when he wants to do it. He has to get permission, and he's subject to God. But let's just suffice it to say that this giant, somebody say this one, this guy, Ishbi Banab, I mean, think of his parents. Come here, Ishbi Banab. I just think that's a lot of syllables. I get, you know, I think maybe his, 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 you know, his, his, uh, you know, his short name was, come here, Ish. Okay, all right, anyway. This is a giant that's from a priestly place. Let me translate what that means for you and I. This is a giant that's designed to make sure that your focus is on the things of God. Not on you. I'm going to say that again. He's from a priestly place. If he's from a priestly place, the role of the priest was to go to, to God on behalf of the people. The role of the prophet was to go to the people on behalf of God. If he's from a priestly place, not only is announcement that there's a promise if you defeat me, but his announcement is, it's time for you to make sure you're focused on the things of God. Because he's from a priestly place. Ask your neighbor, what are you focused on? Ask him that. 
Because whatever you're focused on will become greater in your life. Watch this. You're focused on your problems. Your problems become greater. You're focused on your God. Your God becomes greater. You're focused on the things of God. Now you're in Matthew 6.33 again. You're seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, look at this. Isbi Banab. Can I take it another further? Isbi Banab, the Bible says he had a new sword. I love the Bible because the Bible only injects things that are of critical importance for us to know or to understand. So that as we're uh, perusing through the word and as we're studying the word, we can get a greater understanding into the kinds of things that are important to God. See, God will put a genealogy, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so begot, so-and-so. And you look at it and say, well, why is all of this in here? It may be insignificant to someone that's unskilled in handling the text. But if you're skilled in handling the text, you understand that the purpose of the genealogy was to suggest where all of their iniquitous issues came from. Somebody saying, Bishop, what is iniquity? Iniquity are things that were passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation. Somebody saying, well, what does that mean? So God would put a genealogy in the scripture so that you would understand why so-and-so acts the way they do because of who came before them. You follow the, par- the parallel? Now let's bring this over here. So God puts in the scripture that Isbi Banab had a what kind of sword? A new one. This was fresh out of the box. You, you know how you are when you get something fresh out of the box. Come on, you get a, you get a brand new pair of shoes and they still got the new shoe smell. Some of y'all look at me like you've never purchased new shoes, new shoes. Yeah, you, you know, they got that, they have the, the new shoe smell. Maybe you purchase a new automobile and, and, and it just smells new. Maybe you get new carpet where you live and it just smells new. And you used to wear socks all the time. Now you just take your socks off and smooth your feet around in the carpet. He had a new sword. Watch this. Which means he had sharp edges on that sword. Which meant that the intention of his attack, of his attack against David was to be a brand new kind of attack. Remember, he's the descendant of a giant, but he didn't come at him the same way Goliath did. Goliath taunted for 40 days and 40 nights. So David was able to come out in his strength and weakness. Ishbi Banab comes when you're at your very weakness, very weakest, and says, this ain't going to take me very long because my, 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 my sword is new. Which means, watch this, it can be a big blow at one time. It's sharp. It's acute. It, 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 it comes. It's, it's, it's an announcement you get that almost shakes your life, and you're thinking, whoa, what just happened to me? It's like you're in the matrix, like. He had a new sword sharp edges. He, 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 he had a new way of attacking him. Before, when the giants would attack, they knew they were coming. But Ishbi Banab says David's over there and he's weak. And he's got all these people around him, but he's still weak in this moment. And so I'm going to take him out with one hit. Somebody say one hit. Now that would seem like a very sad story. David, King David, the psalmist, the shepherd, the priest, the the, 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 uh, the, 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 the great man of God goes down in a moment of weakness because the people around him were nothing but a crowd, not a support. That, 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 that would be a very sad story. I mean, I mean that, that would just make you, that's one of them stories that even if you're the hardest man that's out there, you just kind of get a little, you know, a little breeze right here. Oh, come on, fellas. You, you know, you. You know, sometimes when you're not fully comfortable demonstrating your, your, your emotions, you, you get a little breeze. It says, what's wrong with you? Oh, the air. The air hit. 
It's cold in this theater, you know. No breeze here. It's okay, man. Real men do cry. But now watch this, watch this, watch this. That, that would be one of those moments where you get a little breeze, where, where you cry. Because you're thinking to yourself, ah, he killed Goliath. He dealt with this. Yes, he made a mistake, and, and, he, and he killed this man, Uriah, but God still was able to take his mess and turn around and make it a message. And, and yes, he did all of that, but this is how he goes out. But remember, I told you with God, there's always a but. And right after Isbibanab says, you're going down, David. I'm getting ready to take you out, David. I got a brand new sword and an eight-pound spear. It's in verse 17 that but. Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. The hero that swoops him to save the day is this man named Abishai. And Abishai is interesting because he's one of David's mighty men. David had a collection of men that he had around him were his mighty men. These men were loyal to him. These men were faithful to him. These men were dedicated to him. When David needed something done, he went to his mighty men. Say mighty men. He was one of David's mighty men. He was, in fact, a part of David's inner circle. He was like a chief of staff to David. And sometimes, hear me, there's no time for amateur night at the Apollo. Sometimes you need someone to help you fight a giant that knows what they're doing. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes you don't have time to have amateur night at the Apollo. Somebody said, well, what's amateur night at the Apollo? Years ago, years ago, there was a show that, that, that would come on, and they were at the Apollo Theater. And it was essentially a, a, a talent show is what it was. And, and, and in the talent, anybody ever seen, seen the show? Okay. Okay. Now, for those that haven't seen the show, let me just get you up to speed. So, it's a talent show. And some people come on, and some people are really talented. I mean, some people, could, I mean, they could sing. They, they, could, they could do whatever they did. They'd have uh, musicians. They'd have an assortment of different things. Some people were really talented. But some people weren't as talented. And, and so, the, congreg- uh, the congregation... <laughs> Just about. The, the, the people in the audience, they, w- they would start booing at, at a person if they weren't good. Y'all just boo. Just boo so you can get it. <laughs> Y'all know how to do that well. I didn't know. Touch your neighbor and say something. I don't really know. But boo, boo, I know that, Bishop. I know how to boo somebody. I know how to be a critic. They boo, and then they boo, and then, and then they'd, have, they'd have, like, shout music come on. <laughs> and they'd have this little jester come out of the corner and do this little dance and this little jig. And he'd come out, and he'd pull them, he'd pull them off the stage. and just, they, they wouldn't even let them finish. There was no, some of you, if you came up in the church, you know, sometimes in, in some of the more traditional churches, they let somebody up to sing that, you know, really wasn't supposed to sing. But just take your time, baby. Let them use you. No, at the Apollo, you better not take your time. He stopped using you when you open your mouth. Come on off the stage. Then they do, they do that, right? They do that. In this situation, David didn't need somebody that was trying out. David needed somebody that knew what they were doing. Because he didn't have time for amateur night at the Apollo. And sometimes in your life, you need people in your life that know how to take some giants out and know how to win some battles. Because while they're trying out, you're getting beat up. It's quiet in this church. 
this, 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 this Abishai, I like this guy. He killed 300 men with one spear in one battle. That's a bad man. Matter of fact, can I tell you something about him? If you remember from the last few weeks ago, he's mentioned in the Bible along with Benaiah. You remember Benaiah, the man who went into a a pit and chased the lion on a snowy day and he killed it. That's a cold-blooded man. Now, let me translate. Cold-blooded, cold-blooded doesn't doesn't mean that he was was emotionless. Cold-blooded means, uh, uh, that's a southern colloquialism uh, for, that's a bad man. And I mean bad here in the, in the sense of good. Everybody with me? Say, that's a cold-blooded man. Which means he was bad, which really means he was really good. Did, you, did y'all get all that? I know I may have confused you a little bit. So, so, so if you see somebody, they got a nice suit on today or nice jeans or whatever. You see somebody today, they say, man, those are cold-blooded. Which means those are bad. Which means they're really good. Are y'all still with me? Are y'all still with me? Now, watch this, watch this, watch this. He kills 300 men with one spear in one battle. The Bible says he made a name for himself. Watch this, because of what he proved he was capable of, not what he believed he was capable of. Oftentimes, people want credit for potential. It's quiet here. You don't get credit for potential. You get credit for what you do. So oftentimes people say, well, why would you just give me some credit? Because you ain't done nothing. You don't get credit for having good thoughts. Let, let me make that very practical because some of you say, well, no, Bishop, it's about the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. Unfortunately, the Scripture says you and I don't have the ability to really discern the heart because the Scripture says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitfully wicked above all, which means every time you look at somebody and say, they have a really good heart, Be careful. Because you, the Bible says we really don't have the ability to know if that's the truth. I know I just busted somebody's bubble because you said that this morning. You probably said it about me. That bishop really has a good heart. Let's go to harvest. I do. Being facetious. Do you follow my point? No, no, no. Watch this. He, he gained a name for himself because of what he did, not what he talked about doing. And hear me, as you're in this place hearing this word today, whether you're online or at the Soror campus, hear me and hear me well. If you want to see great things happen in your life, it's going to be as a result of what you do, not what you think you can do. Which means sometimes you got to step out on faith and do something just to prove to yourself you could do it. So several weeks ago, I was teaching, several weeks ago, probably months ago now, I was teaching and I talked about conquering one fear. Y'all remember that? And and, and one of my, I won't necessarily, fears, phobias, which translates to English in the same word. We get it from the Greek phobio. I I don't like spiders. Let me just say, I don't like scared of them because my foot's bigger than them. But I don't like them. Anybody else, you don't, I don't like them. Bible says I have dominion over them. I do not like them, Sam. I am. I did. Okay. I don't like them, and especially hairy ones with you know fangs. And so what I did is, is I said, you know what? I need to prove to myself that these little critters will not run my life. They said, Mister, what do you mean run your life? You, you know, some of them you let them run your life. You see them, you go get the vacuum. 
You use a half a bottle of cleaning, cleaning solution. To, you use an air freshener to kill a spider. <laughs> You're trying to poison a spider. So I went, I went to, there's only a couple places in the city, uh, uh, literally a couple places in the entire city that uh, carry uh, live tarantulas and a bunch of other stuff. And, and I went in there, and as I went in there, it's a bunch of grasshoppers that they got all over the floor because they've got an assort. They got uh, 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 baby crocodiles, and they got, they got snakes, and they got all kinds of things that are in there. And uh, I, I look over to where the spiders are, so I say, okay, I'm going to get to you in just a moment. And, and, I, and I, st- <laughs> I start walking around, and I walk around, and I mean, you know, you got grasshoppers on the floor, so I'm, you know, kind of, you know, because you feel something jumping on you, you know. And so I'm just kind of, you know, jumping every little bit. Then I look down, and somebody says, ooh, look, that's open. And I'm like, oh, God, that's the wrong thing to tell me. Don't tell me that a cage is open. And I go because I make a decision and determination that I'm going to finally confront this spider, which represents the entire spider kingdom. And I'm going to overcome this kingdom of darkness with the kingdom of light that's on the inside of me. What's the point I'm making? I needed to prove to myself that, not talk about that. Touch your neighbor and say, prove something to yourself. See, see, there are certain things in your life that you have to prove to yourself so that you know that the ability is there. This man, Abishai, had proved, watch this, not only to himself but to the people around him that he was a guy that was a cold-blooded man. He could handle any kind of situation. He could handle anything because he was one of David's mighty men. There are two things that destroy people. You ready? I've already kind of mentioned them a bit. Number one, people that underestimate their ability. Well, I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Well, I can't do that. You want to know what that's really called? False humility. So check it out. It's, it's, it's fake humility. I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. I don't know about that. Oh, I'm not good enough to do that. And you think, oh, I'm just humble. Let me tell you, if you have to announce your humility, you're the most prideful person in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Anybody that comes up to you, I'm just a humble man. They're lying. They're the most prideful person you've ever met in your life. You have met pride incarnate. See, that destroys people when you underestimate your ability. Because here's the question. Why would God go through all of what he went through to save you, to keep you, watch this many times, from your own destruction? If he didn't place something great on the inside of you. Why would he have done all of that? Why would he have gotten on the cross and taken that punishment and taken that abuse and taken that rejection from his own creation unless there was something great he put on the inside of you? Touch your neighbor and say, don't underestimate yourself. That's the first thing that destroys people. But you want to know the second thing that destroys the people? It's the uh, antithetical thought. People that overestimate their ability. That's called pride. Isn't that something? Both of these are rooted in pride. You know, people that overestimate their ability, they can do everything, but yet when it comes, when the rubber meets the road, they really just demonstrate they can do nothing. You ever met somebody like that that is, is so overly, it, it, it's not confidence, it steps into a place of arrogance. Because confidence knows where you get your strength from. Arrogance makes you think you are your strength. 
There are two things, those two things that destroy people. And I said this earlier, Proverbs 16, 18, it's pride that goes before a fall. Not a lack of faith, not a lack of patience. Got it? See, the kind of mindset we want to have as it relates to our ability, because we're talking about Abishai, who was a man who had killed 300 men with his own spear. This is a man who who comes to David's rescue. This is a man that had proven what he could do. But, But watch this. This is a man that didn't overestimate his ability. He didn't underestimate his ability. Here's how he thought. With God, all things are possible. Which means whatever you're dealing with, whatever you're facing, don't rely on you. Instead, say, you know, with God, all things are possible. Well, how are you going to figure that out? With God, all things are possible. How are you going to get past that bankruptcy? With God, all things are possible. How are you going to get past that tough financial situation? With God, all things are possible. Somebody say Abishai. Watch this, watch this, watch this. Abishai's name, I'm just about through, literally means gift from the Father. He was a gift from God to David when David needed him the most. And I got one announcement to make to everybody under the sound of my voice today. There is a gift from God that's on the way to help you. Abishai is on the way to, I wish you believed what I just said. Let somebody say Abishai is on the way. Abishai or help is on the way for you. Bishop, what do you mean Abishai? God's getting ready to send a strategy into your life. Maybe it's a person that you need to favor you in your life. Maybe it's an opportunity that you need in your life. Maybe it's an open door. Abishai is on the way. Maybe it's God closing a door. Abishai is on the way. Maybe it's correction. Abishai is on the way. Maybe it's direction. I said Abishai is on the way. But there's one problem. There's one problem. I just told you Abishai is on the way. Abishai saves the day. Without Abishai, that's the last we read of King David. He's gone. Because Ishbi Benab was there with his new sword and his eight-pound spear to kill him. There's one problem. Somebody say one problem. Listen to this verse. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall not go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Listen to me. They turned on the person that was there to help them. Often God can't send you an Abishai because you fight them the whole time. Often people fight their Abishais away. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't fight your help. So watch, you said, Bishop, what do you mean I'm fighting my help? You say a prayer like this, Lord, help me to get better. So you know what he sends? Criticism. And when criticism comes to make you better, you fight it and get defensive. You're fighting your Abishai. When instead you're supposed to say, well, correct me, help me. Tell me what I need to do. You end up fighting your help. You pray, Lord, Lord, give me a mentor. Lord, give me, give me a mentor. Lord, give me a mentor so I can get better. But when they teach you, you want to fight them. I need to make an announcement to you. More people are concerned about being right than they are getting better. Let me, let me get, I, I like this show that comes on the Food Network. It's called Restaurant Impossible. Anybody else have someone so? I love that show. I, I DVR it. It comes on on Wednesdays and So unless I put a screen up in the back so I can watch it while I'm preaching. (laughs) Uh, 
So I, I really enjoyed that show. And, and, and there was an episode they had. Y'all all right? Give me three more minutes. There was an episode where they were, at, they were in Fruta, Colorado. Fruta was about four hours west, and they were at a restaurant. And, and when, she, when the chef gets called into these restaurants, these restaurants are tore up from the floor up. I mean, they're, they're, they're not making money. They're losing money. And in this particular woman's instance, she was losing 20, I believe it was like $20,000 every month. Hear me and hear me well. You can't survive losing $20,000 a month. Especially when you're in the restaurant in the food service business. And so uh, they, they've got this exchange going on, and, and, and the chef comes in and he has the food, right? So as he has the food, he's eating it, and, 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 and the chef is like, this food is garbage. He said, this food is horrible. And, and, and they bring the chef out, and the chef says, uh, 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 or the, the Robert, he says to her, he says, listen, this, this food is horrible. Well, I don't think our food's that bad. And he says, but I'm not the one losing $20,000 a month. Abishai was there to help, but instead she fights him the whole time. I'm, I'm, okay, okay. So, 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 so he starts saying, well, what is this green chili? Well, uh, lots of people love our green chili. He said, well, everybody, not, a lot of, not, not enough. Not losing $20,000 a month. A few people may like it, but not enough people like it. You know, I find that the most prideful people are usually people that have nothing. They protect their nothing with all they got. You try to upgrade people and they probably, I'm going to hold on to my broke self. I'm going to just be broke. That's just. He says, the food is horrible. See, and then watch this. Then she starts backtracking. Well, I didn't, you know, that's not my recipe. Well, I thought you just said it was really good. See, this is what pride does. It makes you say stuff that don't make sense. And, and, she, and, and he says, but that's, she says, that's not my recipe. Uh, I wouldn't make it like that at home. That's the restaurant's recipe that's been here for years. He said, well, then why wouldn't you change it? And she just stands there. He says, she says, well, I don't have this. I don't have what I need. I don't have what I need. I don't have what I need. He says, all you're giving me is excuses. He says, I'll tell you what. Since, since, since you don't like cooking this food, go cook me something that, that you think represents your ability to cook. Prove to me you can cook. He, he says, okay, great. All right, I'm going. So she goes in there and see, I mean, you know, see, there goes her pride plucking back up. She's like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make some. She cooks him an iceberg salad and a ribeye steak on paper plates. <laughs> Chef Robert says, he, he looks and he says, you know, I told you you could cook me anything. And this is the best you could come up with? Well, I think a steak and a salad is a really nice meal. He said, unfortunately, it does not prove to me that you have the ability to cook. But I don't have what I need. I don't have what I need. So guess what? He says, I'm going to go use the exact same supplies you have in that kitchen, and I'm going to make something that actually tastes good. Because he said, this isn't even good, by the way. <laughs> See, sometimes you need people like that in your life that will bust your bubble. So she's sitting there thinking she is just, you know, chef de cuisine. I mean, she is the stuff. He goes back in the kitchen. He, he whips up a meal. He whips up a meal. I'm almost through. He whips up a meal. And as he whips up this meal, he brings it out. And the owner, she eats it and says, oh, my God, this is the best meal I've ever had. The cook. She says, well, it's okay. I, I really like mine better. And, and, and he says to himself, all you give me are excuses. And you're convinced that that, and this is what he said, that that crap is good. He said, you're the problem with this restaurant. 
And if you continue the way you are, y'all are going to keep losing money until you're in bankruptcy. The lady was a couple of months away from having to file bankruptcy and lose everything. What's the point I'm trying to make? Abishai showed up in the form of Chef Robert Irvine, Restaurant Impossible. He shows up, but the whole time he's there, this woman fights him so that while she's trying to get better, she ends up wanting to more be right. Did you hear what I just said? So check out what happens. So check out what happens. Then she goes to the owner and says, I'm just going to leave. This is not for me. I'm going home today. So she walks her pouting self out. I can't stand pouters. She walks her pouting self out. And the chef comes behind her and says, listen, I'm trying to help you. No, 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 He runs through it, the whole thing. She says, okay, I'll, I'll stay. And I'm thinking to myself, look, get rid of her. Sometimes you got to cut your losses and keep it moving. So then, check this out. The next day they're supposed to open a restaurant, right? And, of course, you know how this is going to go. She calls that morning, I'm sick. I, I can't, I can't, I can't. I'm at 100%. You know, and then she shows up in the middle of the day. I just don't feel 100%. I think I just need to go home and rest and get better. Now, I know what the chef was thinking. He's a nice guy, but I know what he's thinking. He's like, well, your health is far more important to us, and we want you to be healthy. I know what he was thinking. So you sick, huh? You sure you're not just sick of you? All the mess you've been putting out, you're probably sick of that. God bless you. You know, you don't put Christianize it on the end. What's the point I'm trying to make? That's how most people treat their Abishai's. They fight them the whole time. It's real quiet in here. If, hear me. If you fight your help, Ishbi Benab will take you out. Goliath came down with David only, but Ishbi Benab only comes down with an Abishai. Did you hear what I just said? Touch your neighbor and say, don't fight your Abishai. Tell him. Look at somebody else. Tell him, don't fight your Abishai. Don't fight your Abishai. See, Abishai normally shows up in the way you may not expect it. It'll show up in a supervisor. It, 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 it'll, it'll show up in, in manager. It'll, it, it'll, it'll, show up, it'll show up as a strategy. It'll, it'll show up as lots of different things. See, an Abishai is whatever help you need to kill the Ishbi Banab you're dealing with. And some people, maybe it's not that you need a door open. Maybe it's that you need God to shut a door. Because you got three to pick from and you don't have sense on which one to pick. Amen. Say, my Abishai is on the way. Now, here's the truth. I'm done. I slowed down because I want you to get this. Here's the truth. Here's the truth. There, there are already Abishai's strategies, persons, opportunities, open doors, closed doors, correction, direction that are already present in your life. The message for you, for some today, is not that they're on the way. The message is they've been there. You've just been fighting them the whole time. The strategy's been there. You've just been fighting the strategy the whole time. Direction's been there. You've just been fighting it the whole time. So here's the prayer. Say, God, in the name of Jesus, grace me not to fight my Abishai, but to let it, him, her or they help me. 
Stand on your feet, everybody. Abishai is on the way. Abishai, a gift from God. A strategy, direction, correction, protection, open door, closed door, is on the way. Many Abishai's are already in your life. Just don't fight them. Don't fight your Abishai. That's what they did in this story. They ended up saying to him, you can't fight with us anymore because you're going to make the rest of us look bad. Quench the lamp of Israel. They fought the man that saved the king. How often have you fought for help that was sent to you? Because you fought it. For some of you, it's this teaching. This teaching is Abishai. And you're sitting here trying to figure out who is this word for. It's for you. You don't worry about buying no CD for nobody else today. Today, you need to worry about you. And if you get two, that's fine. Just make sure one of them's for you. Father, we thank you that we pray that you'd grace us not to fight our Abishai's, but to allow them to help us. Abishai is on the way. With the heads bowed and eyes closed very quickly, maybe you're in this worship experience today in person or online, and maybe you're here and, and you're saying to yourself, that's great that Abishai is on the way, but the truth is, is I just need Jesus to be on the way. I need, I'm not even a Christian yet, and I need to receive this Jesus that, that you've talked about, this Jesus that you've told me that will help me fight my giants and that will send an Abishai. I need to serve this Jesus first because I can't get one of Jesus' servants until I get Jesus, and so... Maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus Christ, but maybe secondly, you're here and you've done that. But you say, God, I need to come back to you because I turned and I started doing my own thing, started doing my own way, and I need to rededicate myself to you. I need to, I need to make a fresh commitment to you. I need to renew my covenant, my vow to you, God. And if either one of those is you in this experience today, I got good news for you. God loves you. I said, God loves you. I said, God loves you. I said he loves you. I said he loves you so much he lets you come just as you are. If you got issues, bring your issues to the Lord. You got depression issues, bring them to the Lord. Insecurity, bring them to the Lord. He loves you so much to let you come as you are, but he loves you too much to ever let you stay as you are. And if either one of those is you, you need to come to Christ and rededicate yourself. On the count of three, I want you to do something big. This is bold. that I just want you to throw your hand up. And when you do it, we're going to hear us celebrate for you. And then number two, you're gonna, we're going to put something in your hand that's going to help you walk out your relationship with Jesus. If you're in this place and you're not sure, raise your hand so that you can be sure. On the count of three, are you ready to do it? If you need to become a Christian or rededicate yourself to Jesus, on the count of three, put them up. One, two, three. If that's you, throw your hand up. I see you. I see you. God bless you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, let's just celebrate today. Somebody's cousin, somebody's uncle, somebody's mother, somebody's niece, somebody's nephew. Everybody everywhere, say this to me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess my sins. I know I'm not perfect, but I thank you that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to die in my place because of this belief and because of this confession. I believe in this moment 
my sins are washed away. Not just atoned or covered, but washed away. It is the beginning of the greatest days of my life. If I was far from you in this prayer, I'm reconnected to you. If I wasn't a Christian in this prayer, I am now a born-again Christian. If I am a Christian, I declare I won't fight my Abishai. When help shows up, I'll let it help me. In Jesus' name, why don't you just give God a big shout in We all know a guy who only occasionally shaves for big occasions, and it's because that occasional shave really hurts. It's the time of year for big occasions, and yet there he is, suffering with that cheap drugstore razor. Let's help him out. Henson Shaving's line of razors, built with aerospace precision, deliver a smooth shave your dad, brother, and even son can enjoy, eventually. With replacement blades just 10 cents each, you'll buy it once, and they'll use it for life. How's that for the perfect gift? Celebrate with 100 free blades on your first purchase, and no subscription headaches. HensonShaving.com slash holiday. Don't forget that your skin is your largest organ and the sun can be your skin's worst enemy. Dermatologists recommended Neutrogena products offer the ultimate protection for your skin. From makeup remover wipes to Hydro Boost Water Gel Facial Moisturizer, BJ's has your entire lineup of Neutrogena skincare products. And now through December 3rd, save $4 on any Neutrogena product at BJ's. Love your skin back and save now through December 3rd. Only at BJ's.